Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Roselle and I'm joined by John Fisher. Hello, John. Hello, Dan. It's been a while. It has been a while, but not for us since we happened upon each other in a bagel store and you could not have seemed more surprised to see me there. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I was very surprised. I'm like, wait, who knows me at this place? And then I realized, oh yeah, you, you work here. Yeah, I work across the street. So there you go. That's my, uh, that's my bagel shop there. Won't say where, but a pleasure to see you nonetheless. And we have a lot of catching up to do because the Devils had a road trip through the state of Florida and um, that came with mixed results, although it looked like it would be pretty bad overall for a bulk of that second game against Tampa Bay. But let's start with the Florida game and let's start even before that, because the Devils were supposed to have a game on uh Tuesday, the previous Tuesday, but that was canceled along with the Senators' other games um, that were happening that week. And so that game, for those of you uninformed, um, the Senators had a massive COVID outbreak. Uh, They did not have enough players to field the team. And that game has now been rescheduled against the Devils for December 6th. That's right. It's less than two weeks away. It's a Monday night. So after the uh, first Devils game of the season in Winnipeg, instead of having a four day break before playing the second rate rival Philadelphia Flyers on Wednesday, they will play Ottawa on the sixth. And it's actually favorable because the devil, you know, the devils have no games before or after that one, whereas Ottawa gets to go to uh, the UBS arena on the seventh anyways. So, mm-hmm. and also for the devils, Jack Hughes timeline for reevaluation happens to fall on December 3rd, which means that he could potentially be back to play in an Ottawa game that he definitely would not have played and had it happened earlier. Possibly. Um, There is more reason to feel more confident about the potential return of Jack Hughes, the big Mm -hmm. deal, as he has been practicing, uh, albeit non-contact and albeit for just, you know, short sessions, but he's on the ice. Mm-hmm. He's practicing. He he is out there. The coaches know about it. The, he had his second practice, uh, I believe, today as we're mm-hmm. recording this Yep, uh, on a Wednesday. So, you know, good signs. It, there's no setbacks. Knock on wood. Yeah. Hopefully he's able to uh, get back to full strength because he had started uh, pretty well in his game in a period that he had played. But, uh, you know, the Devils, they've... I wouldn't, I don't know. It's weird to say that a lot of people thought that they would need to tread water to remain in any way relevant without Hughes, but the Devils have done a pretty good job of getting a balance of results. Now, we always come back here, and it seems like almost every week is a 1-1-1 and or a 1-1 and in some formation here in terms of the games played. Um, And this weekend was no different in Florida as they saw the Panthers again, who... 
Uh, if you remember, they had embarrassed in New Jersey and the Panthers did the same thing to them in reverse in Florida. Yeah, this was a game where the first period the Devils played an incredibly active period, like mm-hmm. something like 22 shots on net. Granted, some of those shots were, you know, they weren't going to challenge Spencer Knight all that much, but there were some, you know, big opportunities. Obviously, the Devils did score one goal. Thomas Chatar uh, could have had one or two of his own. Um, there was a post shot being hit. So the Devils really came at the Panthers with the exception of whenever Jonathan Huberdeau, Anthony Duclair, and eventually Sam Bennett was on the ice. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, Dan, uh, the Devils were great for the first 19 minutes and 50 seconds of that period. One mental lapse and, you know, it's 1-1. And then mm-hmm. Florida re- rebounds by uh, scoring three straight in the second. And that's all she wrote, wrote, folks. I mean, the third period wasn't too bad, but it's 4-1 at this point. It's garbage time. So, yeah, um, you know. The best way I can describe this game is in a way, this is how the ninth, the I'm sorry, the November 9th game would have gone if the Devils didn't get all their bounces. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Because my general feeling is if you stick your hand straight out in front of you, that's where the Devils are. Now take your other hand and lift it up well above your other hand. That's where the Panthers are. Mm-hmm. They, they are not like that's where we want to be. I'm turning into Nick Saban, but that's what we want to be, Dan. And again, the, the Devils, Devils are not are, there yet, but they're missing their best player. And so a lot of teams do have injuries. And so the Devils yeah, were I'm... never expected to win either game against Florida, I would say. So it's, it is good that they won that first one in the fashion that they did. Um, and a lot of people would have looked at that second Florida game and said, well, that's a tough loss. Uh, you know, you didn't really play all that well after the first period, Florida just kind of dominated you. And now you have to go to Tampa Bay to face the reigning two time Stanley cup champions. Um and, the, you know, to start that game out, the Devils, they didn't look good. It, it didn't no. look good for them. It didn't look good for them at all. And they no. entered the third period down three to one. And you're thinking, you're sitting here. Okay. They're on this Florida road trip. We knew it would be bad. Did we know it would be this bad? Maybe we had an inkling. But down three one going to the third, things look pretty bleak in terms of getting any sort of points on this specific trip. And then the third period happened. Yeah, I mean, just to walk it back a bit, that first period, the only positive, the only real positive of the first two periods was that Yegor Sharangovich scored his first of the season mm-hmm. with an assist from Alexander Holtz. And, you know, then you see Pat Maroon score a power play goal. Then you see Victor Hedman just walk on in because Holtz missed an assignment uh, and makes it 3-1. And by and large, the Devils were just, how do I put this politely here? They, they were keeping it. <laughs> they were keeping it even despite the fact that Tampa Bay pushed the game heavily in their direction. Does that make sense? It's basically yeah. one of those cases of, yes, you're not getting destroyed in the second period in terms of the run of play, but you got beaten so badly in the first period, it doesn't mean too much. And of course, we got to see two power plays that made everybody wish Mark Recchi was fired out of a cannon. But uh, Well, it, it was third- bend but don't break, right? For the, for the mentality there, it was Tampa will have their chances, but Blackwood was uh, incredible. Oh, yeah. The third period came on and it's like the switch was flipped where Blackwood played out of his mind. He stopped mm-hmm. the penalty shot, Dan. That's he didn't just stop the penalty shot. He stopped a two on O. He stopped the two on O because somebody else made a mistake and uh, he absolutely robbed Alex Killorn. And if you want to, I know it's a cliche to say, oh, remember that save if the Devils go on to win that game. But Dano would be right in this That's sense. Exactly. That was, it. <laughs> that was pretty much the case because early in the period, Dawson Mercer turns it turns the game into soccer and rounds the keeper. You know, er, yeah. you know, his first shift around Andre Vasilevsky, of all people, making him look like a chump stain. It's now 3-2. 
And then minutes later, and can we, PK... can we talk about the fact that Dawson Mercer is now the devil's leading scorer? Yep. With that goal, he is the leading scorer on the team and fully well-deserved. He earned his way into a top six role. He's getting uh, quality minutes. And uh, in a lot of cases, if the Heesher line is getting, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, pinned because pummeled. that's the assignment yeah. pummeled because yeah. that's the assignment that gets picked on. That's where you need your second and your, t- your third lines to step up and Mercer Johnson and Brat have absolutely done that this season. Although in this game, there was some uh, switching around of some of the lineups, as you can see that uh, Mr. Sharon Govich mm-hmm. got an assist on, on Mercer's lovely goal. And uh, Mr. Siegenthaler also provided a secondary assist as he did for the game tying goal. Oh. So no one's going to remember Siegenthaler's assist because Subban, my goodness, throws a dart yeah. like an NFL quarterback out there to Jimmy VC and stride and VC, you know, he's been, he's been one of the few bottom six devils who has been okay to actually good on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. He pulls a backhander past Vasilevsky to make it three, three. And then you're sitting there going, Oh my goodness, it's tied. And then the penalty shot happens and you go, okay, here, here's where Tampa Bay takes the game back. But And, and so but, off of this, I just want to talk about the play that led up to it. Braden Point was hauled down and he looked hurt when he was on the way to take the shot. He certainly didn't look hurt while he was taking the shot itself. But now we know that he's going to be out for an extended period of time due to that upper body injury. Yeah, I mean, credit to him for wanting to take the shot himself and mm-hmm. But, um, I actually looked you know, up the rule on this the other day. What would happen if he was not able to take the shot? Do you know the rule? I do not know the rule, Dan. What is it? The rule is the other team's captain would choose who is shooting, <laughs> which is very weird. So Nico would have to say, yeah, I want Jan Ruta to come out there again. Let's see you get a second goal. Yeah, someone would have to choose, and it would be the other team's captain, which is bizarre, but it is in the rule book. I, I looked this up yeah. uh, a little bit ago. I, I, I can imagine that John Cooper probably said the point said, look, man, you can take the rest of the night off, but can you just take the shot, man? Cause and he took the shot and Blackwood got a piece of it. And then the rest yeah, of it of went post, into the yeah. crossbar or yeah. sorry, the outside of the post and the game is still tied. And then something happens where it's a rare occurrence. Not only is it another Jaeger Sharon goal, it's not a rare occurrence for him to score just as this year, but yeah. it's another Jaeger Sharon goal that another rare occurrence is that Andre Vasilevsky will definitely want that one back. Yeah, it's almost scored from the exact same spot he scored his first one in, from the right circle. And I was stunned when I saw this on replay, because at first I thought, oh, he beat him far post, or he beat him like under the arm or something. Oh, no, this was a five-holer. This was mm-hmm. something where, bro, where's your stick? And, and yep. you're just looking at the you know, the still here on the NHL.com summary. It's like, where's your stick? How do you let that one in? And it, it literally went under his legs. Just such a rare mistake for Vasilevsky and the Devils take advantage. They lead four, three and Thomas Tatar puts it away by beating out the icing off of clearance and putting it in the empty net. And the yep, devils great. take yep. a huge, huge, huge result in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Massive comeback result. I'm not going to look up the last time we saw a devil three goal comeback or four unanswered goals from the devils, mm-hmm. but huge, absolutely massive win. It's the sort of win that you could feel proud of as a fan mm-hmm. that even if the season doesn't go well, which, you know, it's November, it could still happen. But you can look at that game and go, this was this was a moment of glory. And it wasn't just one line that just balled out or pucked out, as it were. This was pucked a out. full this was a full team effort where Blackwood played out of his mind. You got great performances from Subban and Siegenthaler. You got goals from Mercer. You got a goal from the bottom six and VC. Sharon Govich finally gets a much needed second goal after 
scoring his first earlier in the game, but he had bupkis up until this one. And then you got another fun goal for Tatar. You get assists across the board for Siegenthaler, Brat, Heischer, Graves, who iced that puck that Tatar beat out. Um, you know, yeah, there were some things where you could look back and go, eh, I wish you did this better. I wish you did that better. I mean, Graves caused, you know, caused the penalty shot and Hamilton took a really uh, scary tripping penalty late in the mm-hmm. game that led to one really, really tense uh, penalty kill. But uh, again, everybody turned up. So even if Blackwood didn't look that good in the first half of the game, he was such a star in the second half that you can totally forgive it. And um, yeah, again, this was one of those not only big wins just because you came back on the road and you get a win for the week, but it's also good for the standings because the devils, you know, are entering this Thanksgiving holiday in a really decent position. It's not a super wonderful position like our hated rivals, but you know, compared to the last three seasons, Dan, where they're almost cooked like a Turkey mm-hmm. by this time of year, they're in the mix. You know, they're only a point behind Columbus and Pittsburgh with two games in hand on Pittsburgh. Um, you know, in this division, sixth in the metropolitan might as well be third in any other division because mm-hmm. uh, it's that competitive. Um, so, I mean, credit to the devils that they're, you know, they're still playing meaningful games in November and December. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for that moment, instead of go dropping to seven, six, and three, they went to eight, five, and three. Um, very good start. As good as you would have, you know, if I told you at the beginning of the season, the devils would have neither their first nor second string goalie for about, uh, let's see, a third of the games that they've played so far. Um, mm-hmm. or either one of those missing for at least a third of the games that they played so far and no Jack Hughes starting with the fourth period of the season, uh, eight, five, and three would be a difficult mark to envision having played Florida twice, Tampa Bay, um, a bunch of other strong teams, but also maybe some schedule wins in there. And now the devils tonight, and I'm still not sure when we're going to post this, but if we do, uh, we're still not going to cover the Minnesota game in this episode, regardless of whether it comes out today or tomorrow, but, Uh, They're hosting the Minnesota Wild the night that we record this. And Minnesota has been a very interesting case this year, but they are, Mm -hmm. you know, on the road. The Devils are at home. They they should be able to um, give Minnesota a competitive contest. I don't think Minnesota is that much better than them. Um, They're leading their division right now. Well, sure. But that division compared to the Metropolitan, Minnesota has 11 win. They're 11, six and one or something like that. They're not that much better. No, I mean, in terms of goal scoring, they're just above 50% in five on five. They're a good five on five team. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll create chances. They'll create uh, high danger chances. You know, they've been repeatedly out shooting their opponents, but the devils aren't unlike past seasons where the devils would typically be, you know, really low on this list. The devils are just around league median. So yeah, it, it should be a competitive game. At least I wouldn't expect the wild to come into the rock and just stomp all over the devils. Um, I think the tougher game is going to be on Friday, Black Friday, where um, just like the rest of the league, seemingly they have a game and they're mm-hmm. going to be on the road in Nashville mm-hmm. to take on the fighting John Hineses, mm-hmm. who are also having a fairly decent start to their season, uh, to put it uh, nicely. And uh, they've been a decent team at home. Um, you know, they're exactly 50-50 in terms of goal differential, including shootouts at the moment. Um, so technically 49-50 if you want to be pedantic. But the point is, is that both of these games are not going to be gimmies. They're not easy ones. And I will go as far further to say that from here on out, there's not really going to be any quote-unquote easy wins until maybe that game against Ottawa on the 6th, which, you know, who knows how everybody will be feeling at that point. And hey, if they're able to take that game in Tampa, it doesn't necessarily have to be an easy win that they're looking for here. Oh, yeah, definitely. They've proven that they can hang with the best teams on a good night. And and that's something that was not the case in the past 
two, three seasons. They would crumble the second things started going wrong in a game. They seem a little bit more resilient this year. Maybe it's the you know large amount of turnover, or maybe it's the fact that they do know that they have more offensive potential, and so they're not quite out of games uh, the same they, the same way they were last year. But speaking of oh, offensive certainly. potential and upside, um, Alex Holt has been sent back down to Utica. Winners mm-hmm. of every game they've played so far, uh, still, the Utica Comets have not lost a game. Um, but Holtz has been sent down and, you know, his audition in New Jersey, it was an interesting one. He probably needs some more time in the AHL and he was doing exceedingly well there. So hopefully he's able to gain that confidence back, but this is a devil's debut tonight for one Chase DeLeo, former Winnipeg Jets organization, uh, was, he's the team leader in points down in Utica. So he's going to get a chance to shore up New Jersey's bottom six as well. While Holtz figures some things out and builds his confidence back. And I don't, you know, I don't disagree with this move. It was clear that unlike Mercer Holtz felt a little bit overwhelmed by the moment. Yeah. Whereas Mercer is not afraid of anyone or anything and will barrel headfirst into every possible situation. Um, but yeah, Holtz will take some more time. DeLeo will play tonight and hopefully, um, you know, when Hughes comes back, that center depth down the middle for the Devils is going to be something that the league is going to be talking about. I'm not even exaggerating when I say Hughes, Heischer, Mercer, McLeod might be up there. Well, well it remains to be seen because obviously Hughes is going to need a couple of games to get back into form, what with the shoulder and all. But getting back to the Utica Comets, mm-hmm. um, over the Florida break, we also got to see another debut. I, I forgot to mention this for the Florida game, oh, the debut of the most handsome man among the Comets, or at least the most jacked and ripped. So if you're into muscle boys, this is a guy you need to know. Uh, Fabian Zetterlund, a man who probably could deadlift 250 pounds with his neck alone. Yeah, I mean, seriously, this guy is, you know, this, this guy lifts, among other things. But there's no played, two ways about it. He's an absolute beefcake. He is. Um, he made his uh, NHL debut and he had an okay debut as a fourth liner and a really nondescript one in Tampa Bay, but he remains up with the team as Tice Thompson uh, is undergoing surgery for his injury. So, so with that's part of the reason why Zetterlund was called up and with Holtz being sent down, which where the criticism, why Holtz didn't make the team initially was the off the puck play. Well, that was exactly why he didn't, uh, stick around in New Jersey because the off the puck play uh, in particular, the headman goal against was a great example of how, yes, it was a tough read, but on defense, but you need to make those reads. If you want to stick in the NHL, you can't mm-hmm. just like get lost in the coverage. And, you know, a guy like Victor headman will just say, Oh, look, I got 30 feet of space. Watch me score a goal. Uh, so um, Holtz will definitely learn. That's fine. He, he, he's a very young prospect, but chase the Leo, not young. He's been, he's been kicking around the league for quite a while, uh, mostly in the AHL, over 373 games. and I'm sorry, exactly 373 games in the AHL. Very productive to start the season with Utica. I think he definitely has earned a shot um, ahead of other guys like Clark or Schnarr or um, – Foot. Yeah, definitely Foot. Foot has not gone off to a, a high-scoring start. They could have brought back Stude in each. You could have mm-hmm. made a case for that because he's been uh, point per game since going back to Utica. But it's good that they're giving the guy a shot. Um, he's definitely one of those AHL, NHL tweeners where he could be arguably too good or um, very good for the AHL level, but there's something holding him back that keeps him from the NHL outside of the quote-unquote perfect situation. So we'll see if New Jersey is that perfect situation for Chase. But he's earned his call-up. He's done very well in Utica. 
I look forward to seeing what to what he can do on the ice. Please keep Mason Geertsen out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. Keep him out of the lineup. Give the Devils a reason not to play him and to wave and, him. But yeah, like you said, Nathan Bastion. Um, oh, I guess you didn't say that yet. We were talking about that in the pre-show meeting, but someone else who was on the Devils' former fourth line, who was a casualty of expansion draft, uh, is Nathan Bastion, who has been placed on waivers by the NHL's newest franchise, the Seattle Kraken. So tough sledding for Bastion there. Uh, I wonder if the Devils bother making a claim, but it feels like there's such a logjam in terms of who they want to bring up. I, I just don't see how it happens. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it just for a couple of reasons. One, last season, Nathan, uh, Michael McLeod was absolutely terrible when Nathan Bastion was injured. Like, the two of them together they were, were decent. You know, every, every so often they would have a game where they go, wow, they had a good game. And then we go, see, look at all the good games that they have, except it was just really that one game out of like three. But still, that's better than the zero games out of three that were good for McLeod when Bastion mm-hmm. was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, McLeod isn't as disastrous this season as he was last season. But, you know, if Bastion helps elevate McLeod, and since the fourth line, among other parts of the team, has, has been uh, questionable in terms of quality, um, you know, it's not the worst idea in the world to bring him back. And mm-hmm. they certainly have the cap and contract room to do it. And plus, the bigger reason for me is it would keep Geertsen out of the lineup. Like, you could yeah. almost turn this into a Bastion for Geertsen swap, which, if that's what happens, you know, do that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, we um, take those. Exactly. But to your point, Dan, I do agree that if the Devils are looking at the Chase DeLeos, they're looking at the Schnars, they're looking at the uh, Clarks, um, maybe reconsider another chance for Boakvist or uh, Studenich maybe foot if he gets going, you know, there's a lot of other options that they could go with at forward. There's no shortage of, you know, NHL fill in quality minimum players. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an awkward term, but go with it. You know what I mean? Like guys replacement can, level. Yeah. Guys that can be called up and do a decent job. They don't have a shortage of those players. So in a sense, I could, I can agree that Bastion kind of, um, makes it even more crowded, but since the team still wants to put Geertsen in the fourth line in practices and occasionally plays them, and they're just throwing stuff against a wall, hoping it sticks for other positions. If fashion provides a little stability, I think it's not the worst idea in the world to do it. We'll see you on Friday by 2 PM since I'm pretty sure you can't claim a guy on waivers on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, and yeah, I, 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 don't want people to kind of get their hopes up for this. I don't really think that it's going to happen, but on the off chance that it does, he'll be welcome back with open arms. Oh, certainly the fans, the fans will like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of fans, Dan, there's something that just came out that fans, I will say are to put it as generously as possible. Uh-huh. Cause I've written up about this twice already over the last uh, couple of days so my thoughts on this have already been known to the internet. Mm-hmm. So I'll try my best in the interest of fairness to the people that matter who don't have any fashion sense or eyes that, that the third jersey, the very first original, original designed third jersey, the Devils have been holding out since 1995, haven't had one of these, finally decide to get one, and they come out with this. Like, okay, so... Everyone knew the directive was black jerseys. Right. That is that something that's been clamored for by, you know, it's been acknowledged by the executives. It was acknowledged in the interview about this jersey. 
Um, mm-hmm. Black jersey is something that people have wanted for a very long time. And so once you do that, it is not hard to move the logo from one jersey to another. All you have Correct. to do is move the logo onto a black background. You can even remove the circle on the outside and just have the NJ. If anything, yep. that's even cooler. I like the idea of having stripes that actually represent something. Yeah. And overall, I think that it's okay. And it looks, it's very reminiscent of the winter classic jersey from the Blackhawks a few years ago. My big problem with it is that despite the very endearing thought that people from New Jersey say Jersey when someone asks where they're from, the item of clothing that they are wearing is also called a jersey. If you are making a sweater or a sweatshirt, then you can write jersey on it. If you have a helmet decal that says jersey in script, that's fine. But on the jersey itself, you are opening up the opportunity to make fun of you. And I would be shocked if anyone had it. And instead, every joke was made about putting the word socks on the socks, helmet on the helmet. And it was so obvious and so easy to avoid by just putting the word new right above Jersey. How hard would that have been? And yet it took three years to arrive at this design. Multiple people. And now they have it for three years. That's the thing. With an alternate jersey in the NHL for them to be worth, you know, promoting and selling, you have to keep it for at least three years once you introduce it and use it a certain number of times per year. So, folks, we are stuck with these. Um, Maybe they'll look better when they're actually on the ice, but I just can't get over the fact that they label the article of clothing that they're wearing. Whether or not that was intentional, that is the undeniable result of what happened. So before the Tampa Bay game, uh, a man named Gabe leaked this jersey. Mm-hmm. And this is not, an, an, according to the, and I didn't think anything of it until I saw Aesthetics, which is a, uh, a person, a group that uh, focuses on hockey, you know, aesthetics, you mm-hmm. know, jerseys, socks, merch, that sort of thing. And they, they ran with it. So they know, they basically co-signed that Gabe knew what he was talking about. And Gabe turned out to be correct. And I really wish he wasn't because, oh my goodness, I am sick and damn tired of people at Adidas trying to give respect to a 16 and 24 team that moved from Quebec and lasted one season in the Great Depression in Newark, the Newark Bulldogs. But wait, Dan, mm-hmm. this also invoked the spirit of the Rivervale Skeeters. Now, I used to live in Bergen County, Dan, and <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I just go around every day. I go to the shop ride. I'm walking up and down Hillsdale. You know, I'm on Kinder Quebec Avenue, and everybody is never talking about the Rivervale Skeeters. Nobody's standing up going, yo, what about them skeets? Yeah. Nobody is doing this. And then they also referenced the Jersey Larks, who, by the way, didn't last in New Jersey. They were another team that was moving about and ended up in Knoxville, Tennessee for like, six years after this or something like that or maybe i'm mixing up my crappy you know ehl failed franchises that played in cherry hill new jersey nevertheless dan the fact of the matter is is that i am offended that martin brudor jake reynolds jillian frechette a bunch of other people at the devil's organization and people who get paid to design jerseys took three years had multiple concepts tried out two of them Mm -hmm. and this was the best they came up with and you know what I'm even more annoyed at these constant because you see this in other things too. You know, it's almost like there's more effort and time spent on the promotional material. Say, look, these stripes represent the counties in New Jersey. Yeah, because everybody walks around going, "Yeah, I'm from Passaic. Suck it, Mercer." Yeah, like I remember that always this. that there are 21 counties in New Jersey. I learned that during the time of the announcement. Did yeah. I know what counties exist in New Jersey? Sure, I had some idea. Did I know that there were 21 of them? And do I care? Absolutely not. 
<laughs> no. And, and, and the thing here, Dan, is you only get one chance to make a good first impression. One chance. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, you said it perfectly at the beginning. All the Devils had to do was take their classic jersey, you know, the jersey that Mark Tambrador wore and won a hell of a lot of games in, flip the colors around so you flip the red and the black, call it a day. Mm-hmm. You would have sold 10,000 jerseys right away, made tons of money, and you got you, you keep your iconic look. And, even, and, and older fans like myself, we get satisfied because you're respecting the time when the team won something instead of three teams that played a collective five seasons you know, over 60 years ago that nobody talks about or has heard of outside of, you know, nerds that just look at hockey DB and want to pretend they're smart at parties by looking up who, which pro teams have ever been in New Jersey, um, which to say is none. And <laughs> that's all you had to do. This, 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 this design is lazy. It is boring. It's inconsistent with all the different stripes. Like I, like I just said, there's more effort in the marketing material and, you know, trying to hype up the fact that Martin Bredore was a lead designer on this. Bro, he's a legendary goaltender. He sucks at fashion. There. That, that, that felt like there. less that, that they were, you know, promoting the fact that he had designed it and more so saying, hey, don't look at us. Look at him. And the sad thing is that as we're talking about this today, USA Hockey came out with their jersey, oh, which looks like a knockoff national soccer team jersey. Not like like those uh, bootleg ones that you see on like um, worldsoccershop.com that aren't the official ones. And they just bla- lamely say like USA or name of country there. Mm-hmm. That's what that looks like. And that's going to be what's used at the Olympics, provided that the US and uh, the NHL still go to the Olympics. Um, and it's like, that's by Nike. Like who is getting paid to make these things? And more importantly, who is getting paid to approve them? <laughs> I want answers, Dan. I want some <laughs> accountability. I, I think... want to meet the people at Adidas who still think people care about the Newark Bulldogs because this is not the second time I have to you know, hear about them. Accountability has uh, meant a lot this season in terms of who gets benched and who gets more playing time for the Devils, who gets sent down, who gets called up. Uh, I'm worried that we're not going to see much of it here. And so that's what we're going to have for the next couple of years. Buy it if you want to buy it. If you you know, don't buy it. If you don't want to, Uh, that's your business. You do what you want with your money, but I will probably be avoiding this one specifically as much as I support the team. I just, I don't need an article of clothing that labels itself. I'm good. Exactly. And that's, and that's one final point I'll make about this since I've been ranting about this. If you're like me and Dan, and you think this sucks and let's be real, it does suck. It's not the worst third Jersey of the world. It's not the mooderous. It, it's not, I, the problem is it's not it's a uterus the worst one, right? The problem is that it could have been so much better. Exactly. It should have been so much better. It wasn't mm-hmm. rocket science to make a better Jersey, but here's the point. If you, do not like this. If you want to make sure the devils are going to avoid this undeviling of themselves, because that's my that's my fear, overall fear, is that this is going to be a pathway to getting rid of the bedeviled NJ at some point, which is the best logo in sports, and mm-hmm. I would be incredibly unhappy if that goes away. Uh, but I will encourage that those of you who think this isn't very good, do not buy it into it at all. Don't get the jersey. Don't get merchandise with like this type of wordmark or design on it. Don't go online and defend it. Not even for irony's sake. Don't, e- don't even buy it for somebody to be like, haha, we got you this really bad looking jersey. Like, no, there's no such thing as ironic sales. All the devils and Adidas <laughs> will care about is how much money do they make off this? Mm-hmm. They need to understand the answer is not that much money compared to what they could have gotten with a decent jersey. If they just took the practice jersey, 
and put some stripes on it. Or even just the practice jersey. Just make your practice. That's what Lou Lamorella would have done. Hey, we got a practice jersey. Just put a name, you know, just make it official. Bam. Done. I just think we've seen so many, we saw so many designs come out immediately in the aftermath of that on Twitter designed by, you know, not people who are paid to do this that looked so much better. Yeah. And that makes exactly. me upset. But you know what? It's okay. We'll get over it eventually. I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, if their record is good in those, better than the Heritage jerseys, none of us will care. But, um, you know, we'll have to see how things develop from there. But, yeah, we just wanted to – obviously, that was on everyone's mind, and we just yeah. wanted to mention that. Yeah, the announcement came out on yesterday, on Tuesday. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't – I want to say the first game they're going to play them in is – Against Ottawa, I think. Yeah, that's right. Against Ottawa, against because the, they're going to have to wear they're going to wear them thirteen times this year, twelve times at home. So guess what, guys? We're going to see it at, in Newark a lot. And I think the only road game they're going to wear them in is December eighteenth uh, at Detroit. So Detroit will get to wear their iconic, perfect, classic-looking red jerseys that don't need to be changed, and nobody in that organization wants to change it. Against you know this inconsistently lined, boring, lazily designed. Oh, wait. Jersey. Jersey. Who do they play the eighth after Ottawa? Philly. Philly. So that's that'll be it. Okay. So oh, that makes sense because that's going to be on Wednesday night. It's on NSG, but it's still Wednesday night hockey. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all right. So there you go. Enough. All right. Anything else for today, John? I know we had a lot to talk about. It's been it's been a big week. Well, I want to say that because tomorrow is Thanksgiving as we're recording this. I want to thank you, Dan, for uh, making the effort. Um, of putting these together and organizing them and posting them online. And I want to thank all the people who matter, which is all the people who listen to us, all the people who uh, write about us, all the people who comment on us, even if we get names wrong and they're just making fun of me, that's fine. It means you're paying attention. And I do appreciate that you're still paying attention to us at All About the Jersey and at the Garden State of Hockey. So thank you. Now, Don't eat too much and support the devils. And for me as well, I echo all of what John said. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. John, thank you for your availability and for recording this podcast with me and your general enthusiasm for the devils and devils hockey, um, you know, all things related to those. And to all the fans, same to you. Thank you for your passion and enthusiasm. We are looking forward to bringing you more episodes as we reach the the deeper holiday season here. So let's hope the devils can stay relevant because it's a lot more exciting to talk about them. I'd say when they're actually a good team. So that being said, thank you again for listening and we will catch you um, after the Thanksgiving break here. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving with your families and all the best to all of you as we reach December. December.